You are listening live to the program. Your teams, your town, your program. I think the biggest thing for me, especially now, is when he calls a play, I know what he's thinking and kind of who he thinks the ball's going to go to. And it might be different than in practice. It might be different than what we've worked on throughout the year. But um, based off the game that the defense is playing and the play that he calls, I have a good understanding of what he's thinking and who he thinks the ball's going to. You know, going through a few of these Super Bowls, you can't plan any of them. You just got to be ready for the challenge and, and, the, and the task at hand to be able to overcome uh, maybe some adversity, be able to, you know, finish off a football game uh, the right way. There's certain things that you just can't train for. Tonight from Columbia, Missouri, it's a second matchup of the season between Texas A&M and Mizzou as the Tigers look for their first conference victory of the year. Two hours later. 19-point win for Texas A&M. Ten! Ten! And now, a man who feels privileged to be alive during the historic era of Gates, Soren Petro. Right you are, Kay. Right you are. Petro, the program on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, we will get to Mizzou and Dennis Gates here in just a second. We are live again on Radio Row, Super Bowl 58. Of course, you'll hear Super Bowl 58 right here on your home of the National Football League, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, Adam Dravetta running the operation. Curtis Siebold, uh putting it all together today uh, as we... We, uh, we got a lot coming your way today here in the program. First of all, I'll tell you, our coverage from Radio Row is brought to you by Greenlight Dispensary, Hollywood Casino, Deep Esquale Moore Injury Attorneys, and the Low T Center. Guys, do you know your numbers? Get the levels checked right now. Go to LowTCenter.com to get your levels checked uh, with their on-site lab. It takes uh, about 25 minutes to get the answers you need. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Uh, we are going to hear from today, I do believe, tell me if I'm wrong, Curtis, that our mm-hmm. plan is to hear from uh, CBS Sports Brian Jones, mm-hmm. uh, part of the Inside College Football crew. Got a, a new business he's working on with one of our local guys, Kenyon Rashid. Uh, we'll talk about that. Brian Jones, uh, formerly of the Saints, uh, former Texas Longhorn, and uh, one of the hosts of uh, Inside College Football on CBS Sports. Uh, we are going to talk with Mike Golick. Uh, he will be part of the broadcast of the uh, Super Bowl on Westwood One year, all year long as a, a color analyst, of course, formerly of Mike and Mike uh, in the day at ESPN. Former Eagles defensive lineman will be with us. Uh, we'll talk to him and we'll hear from Alex Smith, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs turned ESPN analyst. We will talk to uh, Alex Smith about uh, the coverage of the uh, Super Bowl, talk about his thoughts on Patrick Mahomes, uh, what he saw in Mahomes, the expectations uh, that came with it. Uh, we'll talk to Alex Smith uh, coming up here later today plus in addition to all that uh we are uh, you know still uh, going to bring you the great blair kirkhoff that's right still bring you the great mike sando talking to nfl football all your regulars on a thursday plus much much more from here at radio row so uh stay tuned and thanks for joining us here on a thursday let's talk a little bit about the uh, missouri tigers Beat down at the hands of the Texas A&M Aggies. Going into the game, Curtis, this was one of just a handful of games that remained against teams that were 500 or worse. Uh, two games only against teams that were sub-500 going into last night. And uh, Mizzou really offered little resistance. Uh, what they did was futile. A&M 79-60 winners. Uh, and this one, 0-10. It was a frank opinion question yesterday. Are they going to go winless? You said, no, they're not going to go winless. Where do you sit after their performance against the Texas A&M team? That is not great, not horrible, but, you know, not great either. 
I still think they're going to win a game at some point. There will probably be uh, a p- part down the road. Maybe if they get to 0-14, I'll start to believe it. But with eight games left, I still just look at history and their recent past a year ago and say that I don't think it will happen. But they keep piling up games like last night, and I have to at least, if not open the door to that, at least unlock it and allow them to pass through because they were a five-and-a-half-point dog at home, which the fact that they were a five-and-a-half-point dog at home to a middling team is is a concern enough. But, you know, once they get behind, uh, they have problems. They they didn't they don't seem to run any kind of offense. And they were missing Sean East last night, but that that's that's a, he's, it's not like they were missing LeBron James. They're missing one good player, a good starter. So they missed their, one of their top guys. But still, um, they're down, they, they don't score. They don't score or hit a field goal the last eight minutes of the first half. They're down 13. Somehow they come out and shoot the lights out for the first couple of minutes. I think they hit eight of their first nine. They cut it to three, and then bye-bye. 17-2 Texas A&M run, and uh, they eventually led by more than 20 and win by 19. It's the second consecutive home game in which they've trailed by at least 20. It's the third consecutive home game in which they've trailed by at least 14. They don't guard. They don't run offense. They either hit shots or they lose, seemingly. Uh, they're getting destroyed in the paint again. Last night they were outscored by 22 points in the paint. They turned the ball over like crazy, outscored 24 to 9 in points off turnovers, and it's the same thing every night. And at some point, this, it, it, this is who the team is. And the idea that anything special was going to come out of the season, I think, walked out the door a long time ago. But they're entering rarefied territory, as we said. The first team in Missouri history to start 0-10 in conference play. This is a team that had Kim Anderson as its head coach for three years and won eight conference games in three seasons, and they went past him into the depths of college basketball futility. So I think I have to at least unlock the door to a winless season. But uh, I, I don't think it'll happen. But, man, they were just awful again last night. Uh, Mississippi State is 4-6. and six. Uh, that's what's next uh, for this team coming up uh, on Saturday. Uh, they've got Mississippi State at home, right? Then at Ole Miss, they're 5-5. Five and five. Uh, They've got Tennessee, who's the number six team in the country. They're at Arkansas, who just pasted them uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. They're at Florida, 5-4 uh, and four in the league. Another one with Mississippi, uh, again, who is a 500 team. And then Auburn, who's number 12 in the country, and at LSU. Where's the win? And by the way, I'm not saying plural. You want to, you, what's more likely? No losses or two wins? I mean, no wins or two wins? Um, oh my goodness. I, I will, I will barely lean to two wins, but man, that schedule does not sound tasty at all. So, yeah, I, I think their, their number one priority right now just needs to be getting a W. And I'll say it's probably, if it's not this Saturday, um, Maybe they get – they're a weird enough team. They've actually played some better games on the road. Maybe at Arkansas, who's beginning to tumble, or maybe home versus Ole Miss. But that's really the, the three that I see that are possible. So well, maybe well, they get let, a couple. Let's, let, let, let's put it this way. Mississippi State, four and six. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, five and five. Uh, they play them twice. Um, Arkansas, two and seven. And 
LSU at four and five. So one, two, three, four, five, six of their remaining eight games are against teams that are 500 or less. Mm-hmm. Okay. Four of them, I think, are 500, right? Two, two old misses. Yep. And, well, they're the only 500 team in the league. So two old misses. LSU is sub-500. Mississippi State, sub-500. Arkansas, sub-500. Uh, and the two, so five games. Two, let's see, two, four, six, yeah, seven. Uh, two, two games against winning records, five against 500 or less. You know, and, and three of them against teams with losing records in the league. So, therefore, if that schedule is not murderer's row, right? Right. I mean, in some ways, I'm with you. I look at it and go, well, they're not going to win. Because I look at Arkansas and say Arkansas pasted them. But but by its record, by its accomplishments this year, Arkansas is not a good team. No. They're 11-11 and 11 overall, 2-7 and seven in the league. It looks like, well, they're not winning that one because they Mizzou got their ass kicked there. But when you look at that schedule, can we agree there's no reason, just like there's no reason to be 0-10, there's no reason to take over the rest of the way. Yes, yes. If if I've talked about, you know, I, I've said on the air that if they go over, I I I, that I might fire Dennis Gates. I don't think it would happen, but I, I think you have to leave that door open as well to to to, to be winless, to be the twelfth winless Power Five or Power Conference team in the last thirty years would certainly be a, a possibility worth exploring but with that schedule there's no reason they should go they should go 0 and 8 they should at least win one i think they'll win two i think they win at arkansas and i think they pluck either mississippi state or Ole miss at home but that's that's where it is okay and i forgot the auburn game it's eight games that are left not seven eight games that are left there's three winning teams um but I, yeah like so that's why you know i'll go back to what we said about the nfl you have the wash. If you're in there, you are what you are. You're truly elite if you win 12-plus games. But you win four games or less, you're out. You're fired. Like, unless it's your first year or you just start doing a salary cap purge and you're like, okay, we're blowing out all kinds of talent. Short of that, if you win four games or less, you're fired. You're looking at this like, what was the mark you set that you you can't go winless? Um. What was the the record that I put out there? Or? Well, I mean, do you do you have a, do you have a line like our four win line um, in the NFL? Do you have a line that in college basketball you should never drop below? Not in your conference. Not in the second year of an administration that went to the tournament in the first year. If he'd gone three and fifteen last year and was sitting at oh and maybe going on eighteen, that's one thing. But to be an eleven win conference team last year, to to be a home team in round round one and get a win, I think that that does factor in. Um, what you do next year, because part of the decision on next year is is can, can you know what is the guy's pedigree? Can he win? Well, he's proven he can win at least one year. This year is is the complete opposite in a in a fashion that no one could have imagined. But I think the success he had a year ago uh, increases the likelihood that he can get things going next year and get it back in the other direction. Be impossible to be worse if you were on eighteen, obviously, but in a significant way. The the, the, the fear I have is that you know so. Much much has been put on this class he has coming in. But as I've said before, they're young. They're not going to be particularly great. This isn't the movie Blue Chips where everyone's going to come in and suddenly they're playing for a national championship or whatever. Um, 
he, this is going to kill his chances in the portal, which he really needs to be successful. You don't go on 18 and get guy. Oh yeah, I think I'll go to Columbia and, and let me give me give me some of that that action. And I wonder if how many of these commitments. I don't know how commit you know what the particular rules are, but if you're a high a high, high school commitment and you've committed to Mizzou, you're sitting at home watching these games, going, "That's who I'm going to." Yeah, I, I think all a lot of the pluses for him next year are being seriously damaged by what this year has been. But to me, the most important one is I think this crushes any chances he had of being a really big success in the portal, and that's the one thing he needed to do this coming off season that he because he failed so poorly at it this past year. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, uh, look, you can't say it's a horrible loss because you kind of expected him to lose, but at some point. You, you, I mean, right now you look at it, you expect them to lose them all, and that can't happen. At some point, you got to stick a flag in the ground and be like, "Well, this is the one we're going to win." Mm-hmm. Curtis, you said either Mississippi State, uh, you said Arkansas on the road, and Ole Miss or Mississippi State at home. We'll see. Yep. Uh, they got Mississippi State on Saturday. Uh, they better get one pretty quick, or the snowball just keeps picking up speed. Oh, and ten now in the SEC. Real quick, should we be concerned? You mentioned this that. You know, when we ask somebody who they're picking and they pick the Chiefs, the only reason, that the reason they always give is just Patrick Mahomes. That, like, it's just like there's no reason to actually analyze this. I, I analyze it and I come up with the Niners, but he's beaten me so many times, so I'm just going to say Patrick Mahomes. And therefore, since nobody is giving any other reason, is it that, well, okay, they're making a mistake, and if there isn't another reason to give, then the team must be flawed. Yeah. Therefore, the Niners are better. Yeah, I think there's there's two ways to look at that. One is, uh, if you want to look at it one way, if you're a Chiefs fan, that would have to make you feel a little queasy that what if Patrick Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes? And for you know for a while against the Eagles last year, he wasn't. For a while against the 49ers four years ago, he wasn't. Um, and for some small stretches this year, he wasn't. If he's not that guy, uh, do they have anything else that, that can allow them to, to beat a team that appears to have very little weaknesses? The other side would be, is everyone on the national uh, landscape just missing everything else? Do they... The defense gets kind of mentioned, but it's never mentioned as a reason why they're going to win. Um, the, someone that I heard talking yesterday, at some point they went, I actually think they're the better team. And I went, oh, that's the first time I've actually heard someone say say that. Almost every other national perspective on why they're going to win is because of Mahomes. But I'm, I'm kind of torn as to whether I think that's a reason for concern for Chiefs, the Chiefs and their fans, or if that's just uh, a reason to look around the national landscape and go, "What you guys are missing that this team is more than number 15 yeah and I, but i think it's also the one thing i would add i agree with everything you just said i would also add though or or is he just that good yeah right we know he's the best quarterback playing in the game today and there's reasons to discuss whether he's the best quarterback of all time we know all that right but but is it that he's really just that good like, like he, he is so much better and, and makes such an impact beyond everything else that it literally is, you, you know, he's that good. We thought that against the Bucks, right? So I do have that in my head. That, it's not, that's not true. And that's why I bring up Aminhu being down, Nadi being down, uh, you know, Joe Tooney being down. But I do think there is an element that he's the one player that you, you might be able to get away with that. Right, and that, that that'll be like kind of one of the takeaways I have from this. Like, okay, this was the Super Bowl where we realized, no, he is just that good. Yeah, and if he has that kind of a game, no one will be surprised. If he goes out and just no. single-handedly lifts his team to a championship, no one will be stunned at all. 
Yeah. No, it is, but it's, you know, an amazing thing to put on a guy's shoulders. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, we're going to come back uh, here to Radio Row, our Super Bowl coverage, brought to you by the Low T Center, Deepest Quality More, uh, Greenlight Dispensary, and the Hollywood Casino. We're live at Radio Row, Super Bowl 58. You'll hear it here on the home of the National Football League, Sports Radio, 810 WHB. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as we broadcast live at Radio Row here, here at uh, Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, you'll hear the game uh, right here on the home of the NFL, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, we're brought to you uh, all uh, week long by the Low T Center, Deep Pasquale Moore Injury Attorneys, Greenlight Dispensary, and Hollywood Casino. We talk some football with uh, a man who's been calling the NFL all week, uh, Mike Golick. You hear him on Westwood One, our great coverage of the NFL. You hear Mike on that. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Looking forward to a, what I hope will be a great game. Do you think it's going to be a great game? It, it should. It sets up that way. I, I've done both these teams during the year to call in Westwood One games on Sunday on Sunday nights and other nights occasionally as well. So I've seen both these teams. I mean, I think they're defensive teams, especially Kansas City. This Kansas City team reminds me a bit of when Tom Brady won in Tampa Bay. They never get to the Super Bowl if that defense isn't playing the way they are. Same thing with Kansas City. I mean, what they did to Baltimore, and then they go to Buffalo, and, and they have what they – we all we were all waiting for the first time they had to go on the road, you know, since Pat's been there, and they, they've been great, especially the defense. So I've been really impressed there. San Francisco's defense been really good, susceptible against a run in the playoffs, which we serve we can get into, but I do think with all the offensive firepower we talk about, this game falls on the defense. The 49ers were a top-five run defense yep. in the regular season. Number three. What's, what's gone wrong? So I talked to Fred Warner at uh, the beginning of the week, and, and I asked him the same thing. I said, dude, all 80, 89 yards a game, third in the league, regular season, now over 150. And he said it's pure execution. He said, and as a former D lineman, what he's saying, I understood. If I'm a three technique, I got the B gap. That's my responsibility. You know, the other D tackles in the A and in the, in the one technique, he's got the A gap. What linebacker has the B gap? Who fills their gaps? Who has the gaps? He said we we would have guys changing off, not being in their gap. So now you got a hole that opens up, and the back's in the second level before you know it. He said, playing defense is about trusting the guy doing your job and trusting the guy that next to you that's going to do his job as well. And he also said, listen, we were questioned about our want to to get to the ball, and no one likes to get questioned about that. No one. So he said, we, uh, we, we took a hard look at ourselves, you know, these last couple of weeks about what's going on in the run because you're certainly going to get a dose of it uh, with uh, with Pacheco and what he does, the hard, the hardest, meanest runner I think there is in the league. So that's going to be a big test for him. I- I'm impressed by Andy Reid doing something I haven't seen him do in Kansas City. And that run? is, well, that, that's <laughs> part of it, yes. Uh, but, you know, we, they, they would run with a fan. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely the modern, and I know you know this, he's definitely the modern approach of throw to win and run yeah, when you're yes. winning. Um, but, but but he's but he has run more. Yes, he right? has. And that's not in his, you know, he, he's like, listen, I, I came up under Lavelle Edwards. Yeah. I, I want to throw the football. And he really does. And we can talk about, and Patrick Mahomes has done a great job managing the game, and I mean that as a compliment right, yeah. of taking sacks to keep the clock going against Baltimore, throwing right. it away early against Baltimore to not come up with negative plays, all those things. But Andy Reid has had to do it. Even with Alex Smith, he was always able – to push the envelope and push the envelope and go for more and more and more. And this team, it felt like after their horrible performance against the Raiders on Christmas Day, 
had to say, we can't do that. We're not that good right. on offense. But you know what? When we got three, Harrison Bucker won't miss. Right. So stop taking that three out of our pocket and throwing it on the ground with a bad turnover or two bad penalties that take us out. And let's take three. You know, they always say, well, it's not so – coaches, it's easy for them to say a punt's not the worst thing in the world. But, man, and even Matt Nagy right now, I can't get him to say a field goal's okay. He says, well, every time we come off the field after a field goal, we're upset. That's great that Matt's saying that. Maybe that's the message he wants to send to his team. But I don't think Andy Reid's saying that in meetings. Like, I think he's saying, it's okay for us to take three. We have a lights out defense. It absolutely is. And and, and that's got to be the hardest thing for a guy like so, Andy Reid to so, do. And we get into, this brings up, you know, that there's, there's one term and one word in the NFL. It's like the F word. Game manager. Yeah. And analytics. Yeah. Anal- <laughs> analytics has been around forever. When I was playing, there was analytics. You got a game plan. You had information. You digested the information. Third down and this distance, what they'd like to run, what formations they were in. All, all analytics. But it's information. They, we need to stop saying analytics and just say it's information. How do we digest the information? And what do we do with that information? And there are more than a few times where three is better than the alternative. To take the three, given, given a situation. Listen, if it's a 45-42 game, you may say we may have to go for the touchdown because everybody's scoring. If it's a 10-7 game, you may say, you know what, take the three. There's not a lot of scoring that's going on in this game. So analytics can give you information, but how the game's going should also be in how you determine what you're going to do. So I think it's absolutely true that sometimes you just say, you know, we're going to take the three here or we're going to run the ball here. Andy is a Hall of Fame coach. Andy, God, Andy and I have known each other for years. I love the guy, and I know he loves to pass, but I know he also loves to win. And when you want to win, you have to make the decisions that are going to put you in the best position to win. I, I love the analytics. I love the math. i got friends that are prominent people in the football analytics world. Yet I always find myself in an argument, it seems like, because I, I love what they do, but I always say, okay, because the safety net for analytics, like fourth down is a big one. No, right decision, wrong play call. Right. I'm like, well, yeah. except for that coach gets fired. You just get to go wrong play call. I was right. Because see, here are these numbers. That over 10,000 plays that are pretty much like this, you know, 51% of the time, 5,050 right. of them say you should go this way. So, therefore, it's the right one. But in reality, you get fired or you get yeah. knocked out of the playoffs. So, you're in the – I like to say you're in the get-it-right business. And the part that I think the analytics forgets is if you – okay, we're going to go for it. What do you got? I don't know. I'm out. Like, all the magic plays are gone. We had four we liked from, you know, medium distance. We had right. two we liked from long. We had three we liked short. We have burnt all those. I got nothing for you, right? It's, like, great to want to do it. And I think Andy Reid has is, is done a pretty good job of when, like, when he's got it, which is a lot of the time because he's brilliant right. as a play caller. But there are some times where it's like, well, why didn't he go for it there? Because I think he looked down and went, I mean, Tyreek Hill's not there, guys. Right. Like, I don't have him, and I don't have this magic call, so it's okay I, to just go ahead and take think, the three or punt. I think there's plenty that goes into it. You know what? At some point, you got to put your gut in, too. Right? And like I just said, analytics can say, this analytics says go for it on fourth down or, 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 and don't kick the field goal. But like I said, if it's a low scoring game, 
I'm probably going to kick the field goal because there's not a lot of scoring. If it's a high-scoring game, I'm probably going to go for it, figure we're going to need a touchdown. So to me, it's not just what does the math say to do in this situation. So before you even get to what play do you run, it's, okay, what's the game like now? It's the same thing in baseball. The analytics say to do this, but how's my pitcher throwing? How's my guy hitting? So there's got to be take the information, analytics, digest it, and then put it into the game situation and said, okay, now I'll make a decision based on all these factors. Yeah, I love you brought up baseball. Terry Francona, I was talking to at spring training after he had just gotten to the Guardians. He'd written his book about the Red Sox. He had a great line in his book when he was managing the Red Sox, and he said, the analytics guys come down, they give me the optimum lineup all the time, and there it is. And I and he goes, you know, one time I finally picked it up, and I, and I tossed it back at the guy. I said, you go into that clubhouse and tell them that big poppy's hitting eight. You know, right? Like, like there, there's the the human element that exactly comes with right. your decisions. Yes, we're not robots. And then the dominoes that come with it. Like, well, we got it wrong. It was the right call, but we got it wrong. Yeah, now your team is completely deflated and thinks we can't win. You know, it, it is. I mean, what, what's what's a, f- a fourth and one where the analytics say, "Oh, you got to kick the field goal," but there's three inches of snow on the on the field. Yeah. Then you say, well, I'm going to go for it because we don't think we can get the kick. Like I mean, there's human element yeah. in all of this thing. It's just not cut and dry. You, you mentioned having seen, we're talking to Mike Golick here in the program, having seen both these teams. Uh, is the Chiefs defense getting its its, its due no, credit? And, and, I, and I think I talked to both Nick Bolton and Chris Jones earlier this week as well. And, and, they, and listen, you're human. People watch and think everybody's robots out there at times. There's there's the human element of we played that Baltimore game and everybody talked about how great the Baltimore defense was. And, you know, we were like, you know what? We think we're a pretty damn good defense, too. And they went out and they showed it big time. So I, I love what this defense is doing right now. I love the way they're playing. Uh, so, like I said, I, I, I do think this is a, a defensive game. You play D-line, and maybe that position as much or maybe even more than any other is a, like, I'm going to physically beat you yeah, yeah. type of position, right? There there are certainly techniques and intelligence that goes with it, but some of it is just raw force or raw yep. speed, raw quickness, raw explosion, everything that goes into it. You know, does the... I've got you know, I, teams constantly are looking for a reason. No one, every team tells you no one thought we could do it. Right. So we know that coaches find a way to just pump that into the players. Does it work? I mean, are, are, do, do the the fact that the 49ers are being told they can't stop the run, are we going to get a better effort for them? Or when you get to this game, for God's sake, if you get to this level, forget this game. This level of the pro athlete, and this is your job. When I hear, oh, how's the coach going to motivate him? Does coach need to motivate a 30-year-old who's been a pro for six years? I mean, if you do, that guy's got that, that player's got problems. Now, if you could do it, great, but that should I shouldn't get my my you know yelled at and reamed out to make me try harder against the run. I should watch the film and say I just got my ass beat, and that should motivate me enough to not have that happen again. Quite honestly, you know the pride factor in all of this thing. So. I don't. You get ticked off and you get yelled at, which you should. But that that should all be self motivating enough. This is a game. We're in an era of football now, and and we're going to see so much motion in this game. We're in an era. I was talking to Dan Marino about this and talking about how we're in an era of confusion. You want a motion to confuse, right? Even on defense. 
you know, you're going to bring a lot of guys up. You'll have six on the line, but only four are coming. You don't know which four, and you're looking to confuse. So it's not really a blitz, but you end up with a free rusher. But, but because... Remember when that was new and they hatched the amoeba defense? Oh, yeah. Like New England ran it, and my, it was like we had a my, quick catchphrase. Uh, now everybody does. In, in college, I worked games with Bill Curry who was a, a center sure, in yeah. the league and then a yeah. coach for many years, he called it the minnow bucket defense. It was like everybody was at the line, and then when the ball was snapped, they, they dispersed. Like if you have a bucket of minnows as bait and you reach your hand in to grab one, they all scatter. And that's what you're trying to confuse the offense right now. So that's where we are with motion and confusion. At the end of the day, it's a game of one-on-ones. You know what? If if you bring the safety up and he's unblocked and the back has a ball and you're one on one and the back beats him, it's a one on one. If the if the defender if the safety tackles him, they won that battle. If I got if I got the B gap and that's where the guy's running and I hold off the old lineman and I make the tackle, I won my one on one. If he blocks me and hooks me and the B gap is there, I lost my one on one. So we can get as technical as we want, the motion as we want, confusion, try and figure out coverage by motion, but you still got to beat the guy across from you. Yeah, yeah, it does come down to that. Well, somebody's got to line up. Well, there's a great NFL films. Somebody's got to beat somebody. somebody. That's exactly right. <laughs> that will never grow old. It's one of the great lines yeah, ever. That's true. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you about, and that is the general managers. John yeah. Lynch, I think, is still probably underrated because they're picking down at the bottom a lot. Um, but Brett Beach really doesn't get mentioned much. Right, he gets talked about with Patrick Mahomes, but really the job he's done since Patrick Mahomes, and he was—I know he wasn't the GM, but he was the boots on the ground, right. the really upfront guy going, "This is our guy with Patrick Mahomes," and and that's part of his resume and his legacy. But to constantly pick thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, and, and to have or you know, second, third, fourth round, and we're yes, get, get, getting finding players there, a, a, a number one corner and Legarius Sneed in the mm-hmm. fourth round, yep. and all the things they've done, like. How, how much is he maybe one of the more underrated stories? Oh, he's definitely underrated for what he's done because everybody looks at Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and then Chris Jones on defense. And you forget there's 22 guys on the field at one time, you know, 11 from each, you know, of guys who are playing extremely well. So, yeah, I, I think he is underrated. And on the other side of this, I think the most – we always ask who's under the most pressure in this Super Bowl. I think it's John Lynch. John Lynch, ever, for the last how many years we have said – top to bottom, most talent in the NFL. But he's got that one big stain on his resume of not only taking Trey Lance, but giving up assets to get Trey Lance. Now he's been having the best roster in the NFL, but he hasn't won it. You know, Andy's won it, Pat's won it, guys have you know rings, Bye's been in the Super Bowl. Uh, San Francisco's been there and lost and lost in a couple of NFC championship games. John needs to now justify he has one of the best rosters in the NFL by being the lone standing team at the end. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what they win the big one. Yeah. You know, the Tom Landry would, you know, could right. never win the big one. Until he did. Exactly and then, right. you know, everybody gets off his back. Let's get to our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, there aren't many things more important than playing your best when you play sports. If an injury slows you down, let the experts at the University of Kansas help you. You can uh, make an appointment right now at kansashealthsystem.com slash sportsmedicine. Four quickies, just a couple of words. First thing that comes to mind. Where does Andy Reid rank all time? Uh, amongst the the best coaches, got to be top five. Top five for sure. Got to be. Okay. Is he is he closing in on one? Well, I, probably a little way. Just like we say, Pat's got a little ways to go to catch Tom. 
You know, if you're looking from the numbers, there's a little bit bit of distance there still with with Bill. All right, give me your prediction on the game. Who wins? I cannot because I'm calling the game. game. I'm calling the game. That would be very unprofessional. Give me your prediction on what type of game. Are we going to see a rock fight? Defensive game. Okay. Defensive game. A lot of people are saying they they think it's going to be offense. I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you. I I, I like the under. How many Super Bowls when his career is over does Patrick Mahomes win? I'll say four. Okay. That's probably math. I've had a lot of sixes yeah. and some fives, but a lot of sixes. Four is probably the smart money because it's hard. It is people hard. People realize how hard it is. And finally, uh, what's your favorite game of chance? Blackjack, crash, Oh, I'm blackjack. I'm blackjack. Okay. All the way. Yeah. Without question. No Baccarat? I don't even, we don't even know how to play it. <laughs> that I or- got poker. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Blackjack, old school. All blackjack. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Mike, thanks so much for you the time. It. We appreciate it. Have a great call. Thanks. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, our radio row coverage of Super Bowl 58 here in Las Vegas is brought to you by Greenlight Dispensary, Hollywood Casino, Deep Pasquale Moore, Injury Attorneys, and the Low T Center. Do you know your numbers, guys? Get your levels checked right now. Go to lowtcenter.com to get your levels checked. Lowtcenter.com. Reinventing men's health care. That's what Low T Center is doing. Let's talk some college football. Brian Jones joins us. CBS Sports College Football Analyst is with us here on the program. Brian, how are you, sir? Wait a minute. It helps when I turn you on. There we go. Yeah, it helps to be turned on, let me tell you. Especially oh. if you got low T. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, no low T uh, at this table. So, Rand, I am doing outstanding, man. Thank you for having me. I am loving the Dallas Texans. You like that? Yeah. I just wish the uh, Dallas Cowboys, my squad, would get back to the Super Bowl one of these days. Yeah, hold your breath I and know. tell me how that works. Tell me how that works. I would not make it. Yeah, tell me that. Listen, uh, uh, I, I love you guys do a, a great job. I love Inside College Football and Inside yeah, College Basketball. Both shows are great there on CBS Sports, and so I, I love your work there. First, tell me about what you're doing uh, with, with Edge 3. Tell me what, what you know, because you're working with them, what, what all is involved. Edge 3 is a company, my uh, dear friend and business partner, Kenyon Rashid, who's from Kansas City. That's right, Rockhurst, Rockhurst High School. Rockhurst, he went to that uh, that, that hated uh, institution, Oklahoma, so we've known <laughs> each other since my days at Texas, and he was a fullback at Oklahoma. We were butting heads, but we've been in business for two decades. Our latest venture is Edge3.ai. We are developing a platform to help athletes and their parents be more informed when they're making these decisions on colleges. We are aggregating a whole host of data that's out there just floating around. You get some of it, but not all of it. So we're pulling all that together and we're announcing today our partnership with IBM and their Watson wow. X technology. So our engine is going to be powered by Watson X. And, and Way to partner with one of the little guys. Yeah. You've only know? been in business for 112 <laughs> years, right? And, and, the, and this is not their initial foray into sports. Of course, they're associated with the Masters Golf Tournament, Wimbledon, their predictive analytics, U.S. Open. They're in fantasy football. And so I couldn't think of a better partner to power our engine than IBM and, and Watson X. And in addition to helping these athletes and their parents formulate the right questions to ask recruiters because they have no idea. We were flying blind yeah. uh, when, when we were going through it, but we're inundated with these questions all the time. And so Kenyon and I said, man, we got to find a way to pull all this information to, together, consolidate it, streamline it, and make it available 
for those who are embarking on their sports journey. And on the flip side, it's going to assist these coaches, especially in today's landscape where it's shifting and there's so many moving parts and so much money's involved now with NIL. It's going to allow these coaches to, to, uh, to get this information and help them make better decisions as far as who's a fit for my locker room, who's a fit for my program, and hopefully mitigate some of the risks that's associated with recruiting today, especially with the advent of the transfer portal. So if somebody needs, if, whether the coach, player, parent, where, where do they go? What's, what's the best They place? go to edge3.ai. Okay. It's still being developed, uh, but the partnership is being announced with IBM and Watson Fantastic. X powering our engine. So it's going to be a, a beautiful relationship, and we think it's going to be, it's going to set us apart as far as where to go if you want to make an informed decision on where you want to play or who you want to recruit if you're on the coaching side. Uh, just a sidebar, when I was in high school, I went to go see Kenyon play. He was oh. such a big deal uh, in our in our city with the high school football. It's really where high school football started getting big in Kansas City was him and all his recruitment. And I was there the day that uh, Barry Switzer rolled in. And really? Everyone was like, Barry Switzer? Barry Switzer's here. So I was, uh, it was, a, it was a, you, like, you, your, your partner is a guy who is an iconic I, part of my high school football memories. I am well aware. I was I'm a couple years older, but we, we, we were aware of the recruitment of him when yep. we got ready to play OU that particular year and all the hoopla surrounding him. And it was uh, it, it was tremendous to go and knock him out on yeah. the football field. No, we didn't knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were well aware that he was much heralded as a recruit out of Kansas City. So yeah. uh, it's been a wonderful journey working with him now in, in this space and in life after football. Yeah, that that is awesome. Uh, what do you think of this game? I think it's going to be a masterpiece. These are two wonderful football teams. Uh just enjoyed watching both of them, especially the the transformation of Kansas City and the journey they've embarked upon where there, there, there were some lows that they're not familiar with, yet they were able to overcome that. And what they have displayed in the playoffs is that's the old Kansas City that yeah. won two Super Bowls. So they got back to who they used to be. They figured out all the problems, and that's part of that journey, man. And if if, if the Chiefs are to win Sunday, you're going to see a lot of emotions flowing because I always say when you see them crying on that championship stage, it's not because they hoisting that trophy. It's because what they've had to overcome. And this is a team that's overcome a lot, not to say San Francisco hasn't. I think it's going to be a heck of a game, but there's no way I'm going against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's such a magician. He's such a great person, great leader in that locker room. There's no way I, I can – not say he's going to win. And on the flip, what the 49ers have done, they are tremendous. Uh, McCaffrey and all the weapons they utilize. I'm going to say 38-31 Chiefs. Wow. All right. So you like it getting up there. Yeah. You mentioned being a Cowboy fan. Yes. You know, Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback, but he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, how how tough is it? How much I feel for some of these guys that play really good football, but they have to be compared to, you call them a magician. What is maybe the, the greatest magician out there? I mean, is it? Well, and, and it's not just he's a magician because he's as good as anyone being a prototypical quarterback, standing back there in the pocket and understanding the game, his athletic intelligence, and that's the, 
terms we use a lot at Edge 3. That's what that AI stands for, that athletic or athlete intelligence. He has it, that football IQ, and he has it in spades. And, 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 and then his leadership, uh, the, the way he picks his guys up. He showed a little frustration, you know, going it's through the, the pains of this, this this season. But for the most part, he's been steady, Eddie. And when you look at the Cowboys, and, and, and not just Dak Prescott, but a whole host of other guys, they, they can't live up to that. You only have, you know, three, four, five maybe of those legit major tier quarterbacks. And that's at every position as well. It's not just quarterback, but that's the position we focus on primarily. Uh, so... He is special, and if you can get one of those special guys, that's been my knock on, on Prescott as a Cowboys fan uh, watching from afar. Can't get us over the hump. Yeah. Cannot get them. Oh, he can't make that play I need you to make in those big moments. And I'm not sold on the leadership skills at, at, at all. Now, I, I, I think it's 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 doesn't seem organic. It's rehearsed. And and not just him, but others in that locker room. Michael Parson, let's just call him out. Stop with all the damn chatter yes. about the media. Just concentrate on football. Get your ass off of Twitter, and Thread, <laughs> IG, going back and forth with with the media. As we learned a long time ago, Seren, don't get in a, a you-know-what match with the media, but they buy ink by the barrel and paper yeah. by the ton. You're not going to win these sensitive-ass athletes today. I want that guy talking about me because I can go prove him wrong on the field. That's just more motivation for me. Not that I need it, but anything you can get, especially during the dog days of the season, man, utilize that to your benefit. So, that's my take on on the Cowboys. They need a run stopper in the middle of that defense. They need that needed that for a while, and they need some real leadership. Is the fact that the owner is buddy buddy with the players is that a problem? No, I no. played for guys. But, but Al that, Davis it, was buddy buddy with with, with with the with the players. Hell, my rookie year with the, the Raiders, we're at a practice and. House, Greg Townsend, the great defensive man, sitting yep. on his helmet, smoking a square. For you young folks, that's a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> he's sitting on his helmet smoking a cigarette while we're running sprints. And so, no, you can be buddy-buddy with the players, but you better ball. The key is balling out. It has nothing to do with the owner. Tom Benson, uh, my, my last few years there with the Saints, you know, he came around and, and was more – had more of a presence uh, with, with the team. So, nah, that, that's not an issue. It's, it's about real leaders in that locker room holding each other accountable. They over here barking, at the wrong, barking up the wrong tree going after the media. Yeah. Bark at them dudes in that locker room. I want to see some fisticuffs between you cats. <laughs> it ain't hard. It's simple. We're talking to Brian Jones here in the uh, program. Uh, what, what do you think of the new Big 12? You know, the, inside college football, you guys do such a great yeah. job. What, what are we going to have? What, what kind of football league is that going to be now? Now when we, we're going to cycle out to you Cowboys or the Horns and Sooners, and we're going to have, you know, Arizona coming in, Colorado coming in, you know, the, the Pac-12 newcomers. What, how good is that league going to be? Well, anyway? let me say hook them first. Uh, right. They're leaving. <laughs> and... It's it's gonna. I think Colorado's gonna be better. He, he's gonna show up that offensive line and defensive line. That's where he had the biggest issues. They got the skilled players, uh, so I think th- they they may be the team to look for t- 
to, to look to as far as winning the Big 12. Arizona coming in, now that they lost their coach and they're losing some other pieces, they would have been my pick, especially off the strong season they just yeah. concluded. Uh, so uh, maybe UCF, you know, maybe they uh, turn things around uh, with, with Gus Malzahn. They had some opportunities to knock out Oklahoma there um, uh, in, in Norman. They did beat Oklahoma State after Oklahoma State was really rolling uh, during the middle to end of the season. So I, I would, I would, I'm going to lean Colorado. I'm okay. going to go out on, on the limb and say uh, Colorado, Texas Tech. You know, they're recruiting well. Uh, they took a thumping against my Longhorns. They deserved it. Uh, but we'll see what Joey McGuire brings to the table. Yeah, uh, it, it, listen, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, what's the flip side? How's Texas going to handle the deep waters that are the SEC? Dude, that is difficult. At CBS, we're leaving the SEC. Our product is now primarily the Big Ten. Right. But just watching that up close for the last 20 years as a member of CBS Sports, it is a dogfight each and every week. And, yes, it's top-heavy for the most part. You know, Bama, it's Georgia. Ole Miss had double-digit win this season. LSU, you know, they'll be back. All the changes on that staff. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a task for him. Uh, but Sark knew that, and that's why he's built this team the right way from the inside out. And that's how you have to do it, no matter which conference you're in. It's got to start in the trenches. He's done that. He's got the quarterback. And they just take care of the ball. They're in that national championship game versus versus Michigan. But if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. So uh, <laughs> I think they'll be fine because he's from there. He knows what it takes uh, to win at that level. The recruiting has been just out of this world. And he'll coach them up. Hate that they lost the defensive uh, line coach. Bo Davis went back to where he played at LSU. Uh, but I think Texas will be just fine because he, he's been building towards this transition to the SEC. I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I think there's a chance that Texas shows SEC a new way, of, uh, a new level of spending. Like like SEC thinks they're big. Oh, where do you see them Texas guys? Go, oh, yeah? Watch this check. Here you go. We, uh, we, we, get, we, got, we got a few coins in the bank, as uh, the late Red McComb said. All that money that's not under the Vatican is at Texas. So. <laughs> he might be right. Let's get to our final four with Brian Jones. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. If you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, you can be seen by the same experts. They care for the Chiefs. Walk-in care is available. Orthopedic walk-in clinic at 435. And all they are open today until 7. Weekdays 8 to 7. Saturdays 8 to 2. Learn more at Kansas. KansasHealthSystem.com slash orthopedic, orthopedics. Four quick ones. So the first thing that comes to mind, how long is Dion at Colorado? Forever. You've got to be kidding me. You said you're going to challenge my question? No, no. Hey, where's I, he going to go? That's, he's made a beautiful place. You know, Boulder is gorgeous. you got 300 days of sunshine, or if not more. Hey, weeds leak. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I said that loud. Uh, I think he's going to be there. Where, where else to go? He doesn't want to go to the pros. I doubt if he ever goes to the pros. Florida State? Or nah, he's not, I not think he's going to be fine. He'll be in Colorado for, yeah. long, for the long haul. All right. Uh, how many Super Bowls does Patrick Mahomes win in his career? He's got two, playing for a third. Six. Six. That's a, that is a strong number. I like that one. You're not going to challenge that, huh? No. Oh, okay. No. I mean, maybe you're a little low, but no, I'm not going to I'm not going to challenge that one. Not at all. Not at all. Um, all right. Who was the toughest person you ever went against in your career? Oh, man. Uh, offensive lineman comes to mind. Frank Winters, uh, Green Bay. That dude. You talking about former chief? 
Well, Did he go the to the Chiefs too? He was he was with he was a uh, backup to Tim Grunhard and then uh-huh. went to got got with uh, the Packers. Free agency went to the Packers. Yeah. He's... Well, I was the Chiefs of Kevin because uh, <laughs> that dude. Cutting off angles, I play a middle backer, man. I can never get around that dude. I hate him. Uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward, the the late man. I hit that dude. That's like just running into concrete. Wow. He didn't move. And I just, it was like a cartoon. You just slide down the wall. It's like, dang. All right, last one. Prediction on the game. Who wins? What's the score? Chiefs, 38-31. 38-31. There it is. It's official. Uh, once again, tell everybody where they go. Edge3.ai. Look out for the portal being live here in a couple months. And thanks to IBM and their Watson X technology for partnering with Edge3.ai. And I got Kenny Rashid, your business partner, KC guy. All My the more man. reason to go. Yep. Brian? I love it. Thanks so much for the time, buddy. Have a great trip. I'm sorry. That's the wrong hand. But big shout-out to my sister-in-law, Anna Pruder. Okay. And Blake Pruder, her husband, they just had their second child. So congrats to them. All right. Very good. Anna and Blake. Thinking about you. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Brian Jones. We'll take a break here in the program. All right. What eventual Super Bowl starting quarterback was dropped from the 1998 NFL Draft Combine to make room for Ryan Leaf? Brought to you by Good Sense. 